0: My name is Steve Corrie, one of the regular co-hosts of the Trailrunners Association of Hong Kong Podcasts. This is episode 8 and we have a very full episode for you this time around. First up, my fellow regular co-host Steve Phoebe speaks to yet another Steve, that is Steve Brammer, co-founder and co-director of Hong Kong 100 along with Janet Ng, the other co-founder and co-director. Steve Brammer and Janet are also on the committee of Trailrunners Association Hong Kong. Janet, of course, is our president. Together they talk about the recent Hong Kong 100 Flex, as well as Track's efforts to campaign the government to include trail race organizers in COVID relief funding. Following that, I interview Chris Van De Velde from Asia Trailmaster. The new season this year has just kicked off in Thailand and Saudi Arabia, so Chris will tell us all about that and what the year has in store for trail running around Asia in terms of the ATM Championship. Last but not least, we have Steve Phoebe back again. Joined this time by John Ellis to interview none other than Esther Tzilag, who's done exceptionally well at CCC and more recently at trans Gran Canaria. So whether you're listening to this while you're out on the trails, running along Bowen Road or laid out on your sofa, enjoy the episode.
1: We have... Steve Rama and Janet Ung. Welcome, guys.
2: Hi, Steve. Hi, everybody. Hello, Steve.
1: <laughs> okay, so you guys have just finished up with uh, the Hong Kong Flex. And uh, how did things uh, go along with that?
2: Uh, it was good fun. Uh, so we had three editions, uh, three events. So there's the 100, um, the original, and the fifty. And this year, for the first time, we introduced the third as well. So 33k, um, starting in Pak Tam Chong, turning left at Shek Keng. So turning left after 28 ks and coming back to Pak Tam Chong. And it was really well received. It was great to see people out there sort of in a race type environment, um, even though obviously it's not a physical race. And and we hope physical races can come back soon. But uh, yeah. A lot of people seem to have a lot of fun. Um, some people went really, really quickly. Some amazing performances. Um, so other people really took their time and, and broke it up into various stages and so on. Mm. And so it, it seems to cater for um, you know, the, the newbie, the beginner, through to the absolutely elite athlete. Um, and we had some really nice stories with youngsters getting involved. So um, lads and dads, doing it together or doing the third together, um, lads and, uh, sorry, uh, daughters and and dads uh, and some youngsters, some you know, people as young as 13 years old uh, went and did it with, with a guardian or with a, a parent. So it was fantastic that it, it's so accessible, you know, a kind of a silver lining of what's going on. Yes, yes,
1: uh, it did sound great. I watched it from afar. I believe you had a few people that did the Grand Slam as well, doing all three.
2: Yeah, so um hundred and thirty or so grand slam finishes. Wow. Um and, and again it, it was really nice that you can do something that it's a huge challenge and a, a massive commitment. Um but you you don't have to be you know Killian journey or, or Wang Ho Chung to, to get it done. Hmm. So again it's accessible enough and yet still a fantastic achievement for anyone who did it. Um and of course we had three people do the Grand Slam all in one go so <laughs> yeah I can imagine there's a few <laughs> <yeah>. of those <laughs> yeah and it'd be interesting to see whether next year if you know, I think the, the will still be flex I suspect um, whether the, the what we call the gold slam because uh, Roel Campos whose uh, nickname mm. is gold um, was the first person to do it so he he signed up and said I'm going to do it all in one go if if I may and he said of course you can yeah. So he did it first. So we call it the gold slam now. Uh, and then uh, a, a couple of folks also. Uh, he, d- he didn't do it in flip-flops, did he? He sort of did, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah a kind of adaptation of flip-flops. Yeah. Uh,
3: so um, apart from uh, Roel, well, so a uh, in law he not only did the gold slam, he also did the grand slam. Mm. So he did um, all the frequencies mm. in one go and then but he also wants a good time like for the individual uh, 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 three courses so he basically went round like six times um, yeah it, it, it was it was good fun to see him <laughs> around the course so many times because we've been out um, during the weekends cheering mm. and um, yeah handing out a bit of chocolate and a bit of like coke and, and water and, mm.
1: yeah ah great great and it plans for a quarter next year (laughs) you've done the half and the third
3: (laughs) we haven't yet the the idea of the third was that we 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 thought that um we have got a lot of overseas each each year and um having a third on the thursday um, Mm. just before the fall event which starts on the saturday would be a good way for uh runners family like if they wanted to come and do a shorter event um Necessarily, want to do a hundred kilometers or even mm. a half to to come to cycling and, and and check out the course. Because I mean, like Steve and I, we, we really like the the third course. Um, it's you you go around the beaches <laughs> and then you finish off uh, on one of these hills, like where you get to the top and then you can see the the Mani reservoir and all the the water and the islands. Um, yeah, we thought that like that's a good course to
1: showcase Hong Kong. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I haven't tried it myself, but I look forward to having a
3: go.
2: Uh, have you been up Tai, Chi, tai Chiang Kai? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Uh, it's it's amazing. And we had a lot of people write to us to say, wow, didn't really know it existed. Uh, what an amazing view. Um, but also saying that they thought the third, because it's a bit shorter, would be a walkover, you know, kind of a doddle. Mm, yeah. But of course, the last eight Ks, you, you start at sea level um, at Shet Kang and then go, Basically, up tai Kai which is at four hundred and eight meters, I think. Um, so the the finish is actually pretty hard earned. Mm. Um, and then from tai Kai it's just a, a kind of two and a half kilometer, maybe three kilometer um, dash down to, to Pak Tam Chong and the San Miguel at the finish line. Ah, mm. oh, sounds great.
1: Okay, so we just had to move outside for technical reasons. Uh, uh, please forgive the uh, audio issues. We do have a couple of kids next door, but anyway, Steve, uh, tell us the latest on the track and uh, what's going on over there
2: thanks Steve. Um, so there's three real priorities at moment for the trail runners association of Hong Kong um, the first uh, is the lobbying effort to have physical trail races come back uh, in in Hong Kong so in person races and for over a year now, um, TRAC has been sort of writing letters and advocating to to the government as to why and how we think physical races should come Mm. back. Um, And some success was achieved before this fifth wave of the pandemic, Um, trail races were being approved from time to time, only the smaller ones generally, and a couple of the bigger ones um, weren't approved, and I think perhaps very controversially. Um, but anyway, those lobbying efforts continue, I think it's pretty obvious that trail racing is naturally social distanced. If, if you were almost designing a sport that you can do during a pandemic, it would be trail running. Um, so um, we'll keep doing that, but the second priority issue now is that, given that during this fifth wave, and for the last two years, physical trail races have really been suspended, Um, we're asking the the government to include um, organisers of trail races and other stakeholders of trail racing like the timing companies, the the companies that build checkpoints and finish points and so on, so other people who are reliant for income uh, and livelihood on trail running for them to be included in the emergency relief um, packages so and we've got a dialogue going with the uh the home affairs bureau and um hopefully there'll be at least some relief for for people who are involved in in trail running as their livelihood um to ensure that they do have some income at least during this really difficult period so those are the sort of two um priority lobbying that that track is taking on behalf of the trail running community here in Hong Kong. And the third priority at the moment um, is the Trail World Championships, which are taking place in Chiang Mai in Thailand in early November of this year. And we want to make sure that uh, Hong Kong is well represented at those championships because, uh, you know, arguably Hong Kong is the the biggest Mm. trail running hub on the planet. Um, and it, it's a little bit controversial that in previous trail running championships, um, we've had one one man and, and one woman represent Hong Kong in, in what is actually a, a team sport. So we'd like to see teams um, from Hong Kong uh, take part in the trail running world championships in Chiang Mai in, in November. So we're lobbying with the um, the uh, Hong Kong AAA to ensure that that, that does happen. And, and it should, and I'm confident it will. Um, but yeah, those are the three kind of lobbying priorities for uh, for track at the moment. Um, and in addition, podcasts like this, so that there's sort of the sharing and the, um, the, the kind of community stuff where um, talking to, to runners and uh, uh, to organizers and, and people involved in the trail running community just to, to keep um, that feeling of community uh, going during a, a really difficult time and you know it, it's something that Hong Kong should be proud of I think our trail running community it's it's strong and it's diverse and it, it, it's very supportive and very welcoming and yeah a track one of its missions is to sort of keep everyone talking and keep people interested and, and so on so um, those are the the main kind of priorities right now and um, and just like to say thank you to, to you and Steve Corrie for setting up the podcasts. Um, and it's been a really great initiative, I think. It, it, it'll be fun to see uh, it grow and continue to develop. Um, and yeah, certainly we've enjoyed uh, listening to them and now uh, getting a, cha- a chance to, to speak uh, on this one. So uh, that's a, another. Um, Initiative that I think a lot of people are, are enjoying, and yeah, big thanks to to you and the other Steve for uh, for all that you've done.
1: Thanks, thanks. Uh, so, do you have? I guess it's anybody's guess. Any idea when races could start again? Is there any inclination or anything, or is everything black everything's up in the air? I guess. Do you have any suspicion that, say, for the fall, we will have uh, trail
2: races? Will out happen? Do you think? Just a guess. My guess is, is yes, because I think this fifth wave is slightly changing the strategy here. I think um, it, having done incredibly well, really, to keep numbers extremely low for two years, now you know, COVID is, is out there, it's in the community. We're going to have to find a, a way of, um, of getting on with things. So my guess is that, yeah, in next trail running season, hopefully uh, physical races will be back. But who knows? We've all been thrown a number of curveballs in the last couple of years. So so who really knows? But um, that's certainly my hope. Um, And if not, virtuals, the silver lining of of the pandemic, virtual trail races, which uh, I think uh, required everyone to to use a bit of initiative and to be adaptable and flexible. Um, But they've been a great... uh, uh, development, I think, for, for trail running in Hong Kong, the fact that we we can um, still kind of, in inverted commas, race virtually, um, even during a pandemic like this. So uh, hopefully, physical races will be back for the for the coming season. And if they're not, then yeah, I guess we'll see each other on the trails virtually. And um, what are your thoughts, Janet?
3: About whether events will come back? Um, well, Steve is always been more optimistic mm-hmm. <laughs> of the two of us. Um, it's very hard to tell at the moment, but um, looking at what uh, was happening last year when Hong Kong One Hundred, we were applying uh, for a, a permit to do it. I think there, 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 there is hope because we, we basically track came up with these uh, COVID-19 uh, protocols uh, for how events can restart safely. And we were talking to the government, and we have made big strides uh, on that front. And uh, I think once the dialogue has started, it, it's, it's, it's a good sign. And from based on, on that basis, we can continue. And I think hopefully, I mean, as you know, in Hong Kong, uh, you can't do overnight events from April all the way to August. Mm. So, and our season really starts in September. So, we will try and make the best use of the coming months uh, or the months leading up to September to restart the dialogue and work out all the bits that, that the government is not comfortable with. Uh, whether it's numbers, it's distance, or the length of an event, and at least try and get uh, some events going. There, there have been 30 events, uh, small ones, uh, that uh, was able to be held this season, um, and hopefully we we have more. Actually, uh, we already have the, a calendar built up for the next season. Uh, we have a race directors RD group, and everybody is putting in their dates already. I think that's something that we're very proud of in Hong Kong, that like, we try to accommodate each other in terms of the dates. So we've, uh, we're starting to build up a really full calendar already. So fingers crossed that uh, we can reach some uh, resolution with the government.
1: And do you think there's any lessons learned? Because obviously from uh, abroad, uh, my experience, uh, also when we talk to Esther later on in this podcast, uh, her experience of races uh, going on in the US and in Europe, uh, everything seems to be back to normal. They do have COVID protocols. Uh, I'm guessing is there any uh, things that could be brought, uh, you know, how things are done over there can be put forward to the government saying, look, you know, these races are happening over the rest of the world. Uh, you know, They are taking their various protocols here, there, some are different, uh, but it can be done safely and they're not seen as super spreader events or anything like that. Do you think any? You know, they, they would listen to events that
2: are actually happening abroad and those ideas be implemented here? Yeah, I think the fact that in the rest of the world, in general, trail races are back more or less to normal, it's pretty persuasive evidence that this can be done and the risks are more than manageable. So, yeah, I think um, faced with that very strong evidence, the the obvious decision to make is to to bring back trail racing um, with one or two uh, measures to to ensure that, that from a hygiene perspective things are safe. But it's great in a way that we can look at races in Europe, races in, in the States and so on, and they're, they're happening, you know, in front of our very eyes, we can all watch them. It's very persuasive in terms of uh, the, the government's, the decisions they need to make to, to bring trail racing back. So yeah, hopefully um, armed with that evidence, it makes the, the case even, even stronger. Mm.
1: And also, it's always good uh, for those listening. If you haven't done so already, please sign up to uh, track, you know, become a member. It's only $100. You can sign up via uh, trahk.org, uh, quite easy, track.org. And uh, you know, it's, uh, I think it's a bargain, 100 bucks a year and uh, obviously benefits and then also have your voice if you have any ideas any suggestions you know uh, we're here to listen and then you know do our best to put our message across Uh, any thoughts Janet
3: well if you like what we're doing uh, do support us do sign up Uh, I think uh, the more people support us I think the more it's, a, it's already a very supportive, close-knit community yeah. and um, the more we know that you're out there and you like what we're doing the more um, we feel motivated
2: to do more Yeah, yeah I think Track has a, a stronger voice the more members we have, it's, it's really simple and so I think for members of the trail running community, it'd be great if you yeah, sign up, join Track, so that when we're speaking to the government on behalf of trail running in Hong Kong we, we look more and more powerful in inverted commas the more yeah. members that we have. So yeah, I, I'd echo that. Steve and Janet, um, please sign up for track if you haven't already.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's great, right. And just one last thing. So you guys are just about to leave Hong Kong uh, for uh, a couple of uh, epic races. Uh, janet i hear you've got a a big one coming up in the in the us please explain quickly
3: (laughs) i'm totally excited yes i've got a place in western states and that is actually a place that's been deferred for two years already and i feel that i do need to go and uh, give it a go so uh i will go over to do western states end of June but they have a sort of like a training recce uh, the month before and given that now Steve has retired from his uh, day job we might actually go and sign up and, and, and check that out and spend some time in California.
2: And yeah so I'll be Janet's crew I'll be driving the bus <laughs> and uh, making the tea and sandwiches.
3: <laughs> and other than that um, we've always uh, been back for uh, Ultra tour Monte Rosa. Uh, that's an event organised by a, a good friend, Lizzie Hawker. And uh, we've been there like, since edition zero, uh, either as, uh, mostly as volunteers. And uh, we think we'll be back again, Steve,
2: right? Yeah, I, I think either sweeping the stage race or taking part in the stage race. And if you, if you haven't done the UTMR stage race, you should. It's a thing of beauty. It's a fantastic experience. Uh, you see the whole course in daylight. Because uh, you get to to rest at the end of of each day, um, and you get back to the to Hong Kong in in time for the Hong Kong racing season, with uh, four back to back forty or, or, or more kilometer days in your legs. So it makes you really fit and strong going into the Hong Kong racing season. Brackets, hoping that we have one. Close brackets. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so we'll we'll do something at Monterosa, either volunteer or. Take part in the stage race and uh, yeah, really looking forward to it.
1: Oh, this all sounds great. Uh, yeah, looking forward to hearing about your adventures, especially the Western States. Uh, I believe you'd be in the UK. Have you got any planned races in the UK or are you just going to have a look whilst you're over there? Because their racing scene pretty much all back to normal there.
2: Yeah, I haven't made any plans, but I'm going to sort of get on the internet and see uh, what races were and yeah, go and explore. New places in the UK. So um, I'll keep you posted.
0: Hello, I'm with Chris van der Velde, the founder and general manager of Asia Trailmaster. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Pleasure's all ours so I understand the seventh season of Asia Trail Master is starting this weekend uh, in early March with Ultra Trail Ko Chang and then uh, a number of other races following in quick succession but you're currently in Belgium Chris and then heading to Saudi Arabia is that correct?
4: Uh, That is correct, yeah. So, everything you said is is 100% true. So, we start the uh, seventh season of Asia Trailmaster Championship Series uh, uh, in Thailand with uh, UTKC Ultra Trail Ko Chang. It's been a bit of a classic in our series, actually, already since 2017. And then uh, we follow up uh, the week after with Eco Trail Alula in Saudi Arabia. And at the same weekend, we have uh, Borneo Ultra Trail Marathon in Sabah in Malaysia. And then in the last weekend of March, we have uh, Balat Ultra Trail in uh, Vietnam, a race that is also quite well known in Hong Kong now, I believe, after Jonel is uh, winning there in 2019.
0: So for those listeners who are not too familiar, so Asia is a series of uh, around 26 events, I believe, around Asia across the year and uh, yeah. up until 2019, at least, before COVID interrupted things runners could uh, take their five best results and uh, whoever gets the most points at the end of the year is crowned Asia Trailmaster champion. So can you just tell us, Chris, uh, uh, before 2019 at least, you know, what was Asia Trailmaster and how did it work?
4: Um, well, it's more or less as you describe it. So we started out in uh, 2015 with season one. Uh, back then it was all still very modest and kind of a tryout. Um, but that tryout turned out to be quite successful. And uh, the ball started rolling from then onwards. And in the first two years, uh, the championship was actually decided on a three best count system. Three best count, that means that only Arama's best three results count for the final uh, championship ranking at the end of the year. In 2017, we upgraded that to the best five because there were more and more uh, competitors taking part in our series and actually also competing for the championship title. So as of 2017, as you just described, it was the best five results of each runner that counted for his uh, final points total. And uh, that's how we did it until uh, 2019, before the global uh, COVID-19 pandemic started. And uh, for this year, again, still, we are not out of the woods yet, as you know, especially in Hong Kong, but also in other places, uh, the pandemic is not yet over. And we have reduced this point's uh, requirement to the best four results now. So it's no longer the best five, but the best four, because we understand that for many people, it will still be very difficult to travel this year. Um, so, yeah, we feel that maybe five is a little bit too much of an ask. We are also aware of the fact that probably races will still get cancelled this season even though we now have already 27 races on our calendar so it's actually very promising but most likely one or two races maybe even more hopefully not races will get cancelled um everything is very uncertain as you know um but we are very happy that at least we can get uh, started again with a with a significant calendar and with a very dense and very exciting first month march so with four races um Normally we start in January, of course. Uh, even the Nine Dragons in Hong Kong was always part of these uh, early season races. But um, yeah, as we all know, Omicron was also still very uh, present in, in other countries in Asia before uh, around New Year's. So everything is a bit later than usual. But we are, like I said, we are just delighted that uh, things can get going again. And the first event in Thailand will even have some international participants, people who are actually flying into Thailand to do this race because for, Thai, uh, for Thailand it is possible to go there without quarantine or maybe just, I believe it's now one day of self-isolation that is still required. So that's still manageable for most people. And it's the same for Vietnam. At the end of the month uh, for Saudi Arabia is open anyways, as long as you're vaccinated, of course, and boosted also in Saudi Arabia. Um, but we see how it goes for the other countries. Um, but more and more countries are opening up And, uh, yeah, we just uh, see how it goes. Um.
0: In Hong Kong, we're all very envious that races are underway again in other countries. Um, But, anyway, it is what it is. Hopefully, before too many months, we can come and join some of these races. So, in terms of the geography, there's, there's races in Japan, Korea, obviously a lot in Southeast Asia, and as far west as Saudi Arabia, which is... In a couple of weeks' time, is that right?
4: Yeah, that's uh, in two weeks' time as we speak today. So today is, what, Monday, the 7th of March? So, yeah, EcoTrail Alula taking place on the 19th of uh, March. I will be heading there myself because actually I'm the race director there as well. So uh, I have a background also as a race director um, in China, mostly, for cycling events and uh, running events, duathlon events. And uh, the people of uh, EcoTrail, which is a French brand, um, they asked me already back in 2019 if I can join them uh, in Alula for the first edition back then of this race. I designed the course and uh, now we'll have the second edition on a modified course, actually. And uh, yeah, that's that's kind of my first uh, personal assignment. So I'll be leaving Belgium in two days, uh, touch wood, if uh, the PCR test is negative. Because, of course, that's also still uh, an uncertainty that everybody has who, who travels internationally these days. Um, but I feel fine, so I don't think I will test positive, but you never know. Um, but then, yeah, after Alula, it will be uh, going to Vietnam for the uh, Dalat Ultra Trail. so for myself personally, I will be reporting uh, of, on those two races on our usual uh, channels, social media channels uh, in ATM, so we have Instagram, Facebook, and we're also going to be doing some uh, proper broadcasting this season using a new cloud-based technology um, so that's actually one of the novelties we will have, and it will allow us to have a multilingual commentary of live broadcast races, just like you're watching a sports event on TV, for example. And we're very much looking forward to that. At the moment, we're also training, uh, people who can do, uh, commentating because commentating is, uh, is, is different than just, uh, chatting. Of course, uh, some people, they freeze as soon as you put a microphone in front of them. Um. But, yeah, that's all work in progress. And like I said, uh, it's been very busy in the last uh, two, three months. As uh, soon as it became clear that we will be having a new Asia Train Master season this year, uh, at this same time last year, we were all very depressed because it was clear that there was not going to be a 2021 season. So um, it's very different. Uh, I also myself, I was probably a bit rusty still in December, January, but uh, now I'm back up to speed.
0: I'm intrigued by the broadcasting, Chris. So is that uh, dot watching plus audio feed with people uh, commentating? Or is that a bit of streaming as well with video? Or tell us a bit more about that.
4: Yeah, it will be video streaming. So um, yeah, uh, we will have several angles. So we will have different cameras uh, at the races. And this will create a signal and uh well this will create signals feeds various feeds that will uh, go to a central point where we will have a producer who can then choose uh, which feed goes um goes online to our channels so that will mainly be the website will be the asia Train master facebook page and uh youtube or is master youtube channel so we'll be three different locations where people can watch the broadcast of the races And uh, yes, and we will have commentators who do not have to be on site. So that's the great thing as well. So they can be commentating from Belgium. They can be commentating from the US, from Australia, from Thailand, from Vietnam. Anywhere in the world is possible. So that's uh, something really great that um, we are going to introduce. We already tested it out uh, in December because we had actually one race in December. That was the Malaysia Mountain Trail Festival. And... uh, Yeah, We didn't really announce anything because we were testing, as I said, and there were a couple of issues, simply because uh, myself and also the team, we had to get used to the new technology and how it all works. But uh, we're getting up to speed now, and our plan is to have the first uh, live broadcast in this way um, in Vietnam, so of the Dalat Ultra Trail.
0: Sounds great, Chris. I'll be watching that myself, and also a good way for people that want to do the race themselves in the future to maybe see what a course is like. So that's very exciting. Um, so, first up, you do have Ultra Trail Ko Chang in Thailand this coming weekend. Uh, it is two years since uh, a couple of Hong Kong runners actually had notable results in that, one of which was Freddie Alberto. Um, so quite uh worrying news unfortunately she has a fight on her hands at the moment with cancer Uh, many people in the hong kong trail scene no fredeline she kind of came from nowhere and appeared on the trail scene with a big smile on her face at all the races she was at um so many people know her you know great performances by her in 2019 and 2020 um, if people do want to contribute to a GoFundMe page for Fredolin, I think they can go to the Asia Trailmaster Instagram and go back about 10 posts and find out a bit about Fredolin and how they can help. But, Chris, what's your memory of her winning that race in Thailand?
4: Um, well, I have a lot of memories of Fredlin uh, also the races that she did not win, Um she was indeed a very prominent uh, athlete in the 2019 ATM series. Um, if I'm not mistaken, her first race was the Nine Dragons in Hong Kong. But then she started to to travel because she was excited by the concept of Asia Trail Master and she wanted to compete against other great runners in the rest of Asia, not only in Hong Kong. And um, what was great to see is, as you mentioned, her smile, of course, everywhere. Um, but also her improvements over the course of the year. Uh, what was very clear in the beginning of 2019 is that she was very strong, also mentally, she was tough. And on all the technical race courses, she was really already good enough uh, for podium. Not for winning yet, but for podium. But as soon as it was runnable, as we call, you know, and, trails that are not very technical and that you can just run on speed. She was struggling more. So that was her weakness. And uh, she worked very hard on that um, during the year and she was improving month after month after month. And you could see it. And at the end of 2019, she had a great result in, in, in Thailand first, in Ultra Trail Panoramic, which is a long race, but also quite runnable. And I believe she finished second um, behind Christine Lowe, um, But that was surprising, given the nature of the trail. Um, and then she went on to UTKC in 2020. As you said, I was then in February, middle of February. It was the last uh, ATM points race before uh, everything shut down. And there she was absolutely outstanding. And I'm sure that if 2020 had gone on, and that there hadn't been any, any pandemic that Fredlin would have done better than her fourth place in the 2019 championship. Um, also because she told me, um, you know, it is her objective to be at least on the podium of the 2020 ATM championship. And um, yeah, I mean, we were all very excited and now we're, we're deeply saddened. I mean, we did not know anything, um, but I was informed a few months ago only. Um, and then I reached out to her myself um, because actually uh, I had asked her to be a commentator for this uh, testing event that I was just talking about in Malaysia for the broadcast. And I, I thought that she would make a good commentator because she did that raise also before. And that's how I found out. So this was beginning of December. And that was, of course, very shocking. Um, I also have a bit of history with cancer, not personally, but in my family. So I know what it means. And, um, yeah, uh, again, what was really uh, surprising, in a way, was how kind of upbeat she sounded, at least uh, over Messenger. And, um, yeah, like she always is. She seems to be always optimistic, always in in a good mood. And still today, maybe, of course, she's not showing um, the pain that she has at the moment and all the big question marks in her head. But for sure, what we will do, and as you just mentioned, I mean, we have already supported her GoFundMe campaign uh, via the asia channels, and we will continue to do so to raise awareness, um, because indeed, uh, as as it sounds, um, she needs help. uh, I'm talking not only, you know, mental support, but also financial support, unfortunately. Um, So I hope that a lot of listeners to this podcast as well um, if they still have some money to spare, uh, please go to the GoFundMe page um, of Fridline Alberto and, and assist her because uh, she deserves it. Um, she's been a great face of the Hong Kong scene, but also of the Asia master scene in the last uh, two, three years, since uh, 2018, I think she started in Hong Kong. And um, yeah, I think she's given us all a lot. And I think it's time for us to give something back as well.
0: Very well said, Chris, and echo everything you just said. So again, if listeners would like to go to either the Trail Runners Association of Hong Kong Facebook page or Asia Trail Master and look up the posts to find the GoFundMe page for Fredilin. And if Fredilin is listening to this, keep up the fight, my good friend, because we want to see you on the trails again there's been other hong kong-based runners have done very well in asia trail master series as well of course so also in 2019 veronica vadafikova had a fantastic record of winning every asia trail master race she entered i believe is that right
4: uh yes that's correct yeah
0: so uh amazing performance there it's great when hong kong-based runners do so well and uh, John Ellis, of course, won the series in 2019 after a fantastic um, tussle with Kitamura, which I think came down to the last race they were in, perhaps, a Myla, where John, I think, ran through the last checkpoint to, to win the race. Tell us a bit about your recollection, recollections of that one.
4: Yeah, okay. Uh, maybe maybe just a quick word still on, on Veronica first. Um, Veronica actually started in in China. So when she started to compete in ATM, she was still living in Shanghai. Um, And she was a triathlete. She was doing triathlon. And um, we actually got to know her because she applied for the company I'm also working for in China. I work for a sports event management company uh, called Nordic Ways. Um, And she asked us if there was any position for her available there. Unfortunately, there was not. But because of her application, I actually also found out about her and saw that she was incredibly good as a triathlete. And then I discovered by by accident that she had done the HK168 race. HK168, that's I think the race by Felix Schum, uh, in December 2018. And she did the 92-kilometer version of that race. It was part of ATM then, actually. And uh, she won it by a huge margin over the second woman. And she was second or third overall. I'm not sure anymore if it was second or third. But then I thought, wow, she also has trail talent. And then as we kept on chatting a bit, um, you know, I managed to persuade her to come to the Philippines for the Cordillera Mountain Ultra. Um, you know, because it was, I believe, around the time of, of some holiday in China. And she had a couple of days that she could spare from her job. And she went to the Philippines with a whole group of Shanghai. And in that race, she beat uh, the professional um, American uh, runners. Um, what's his name again? Klein, I believe. Klein. Uh, maybe you maybe you know her better than me, Steve. I forgot her name, her, but I think it was Klein. In any case, she was an ITRA 800 plus runner. And Veronica just beat her fair and square, even though she got lost at some point. Enfin, got lost is a big word. I mean, she missed the marker and went straight and had to come back. Um, but then she actually caught Laura Klein again and uh, and won that race and I think that convinced Veronica that um, okay I am pretty good in this the next race she went to Vietnam and she beat Kitamura almost in that race that was incredible so and there are many people who believe that she let Kitamura win um, whether that is true I don't know um, but uh, in any case in the last checkpoint they were still together and Kitamura was struggling and was dead meat at the finish. And Veronica was five minutes later in the finish line and she was as fresh as a baby, more or less. So, um, But that, that's, that's how we knew that Veronica is an outstanding talent. And um, I think it's also good for us, for Asia Trainmaster, that she kept on competing and uh, she went for the championship. Um, and uh, she sealed that championship in the last two weeks um, of the 2019 season. Because in the summer, she actually quit Shanghai, quit her job in Shanghai, and she went back to Slovakia, her home country, um, for a couple of months and then came back. And she sustained a bit of an injury as well in in that time. But she came back for the last two races, and there was the Izu Trail Journey in Japan. And that's an extremely competitive race in Japan, which very often is kind of a national championship in Japan, because on the basis of that result... Uh, in that race, they select the runners to go to the World Championship of trail running. And Veronica went there and she won that race in Japan. And that had never been done before by a foreign athlete. So just to underline again how strong Veronica Vadovichova is as a trail runner. The week after, indeed, she went to MMTF, Malaysia Mountain Trail Festival, for this. Uh, that was then the final race. She won it again. And in that race, she actually finished ahead of Jonalis, and, uh, I think third or fourth overall, behind Alessandro Sherpa, who was second. Christian Jürgensen won the race. Um, but yeah, it's a pity that Veronica, her progress has been stopped also by the, the corona crisis, right? Uh, after MMTF, I know that she won your race. But no, she was second in your race, sorry, in the Vibram 100. Um, but then, yeah, corona happened and it, w- it was game over, right? And uh, I don't think she has done any race since. And uh, yeah, she's also in Hong Kong now, so it's very uncertain when she can compete again. And uh the last time I had a chat with her, we actually invited her to come to Saudi Arabia for AlUla, but uh, because of the quarantine requirements in Hong Kong, that is that was not feasible. And um yeah, what I wanted to say is that for Veronica, it's a bit sad because she's she was still very young. I mean, she's still young now, but uh, she was really the up and coming top star and um she also wanted to compete in the Ultra Trail World Tour, which is now defunct, which is now no longer taking place. But uh, she had global ambitions, and she wanted to make it as a professional trail runner. And her dreams, yeah, I guess, have been shattered uh, for the time being. So I hope also for Veronika that she can keep up the motivation at least, because uh, you know sooner or later there will be races again. And uh, and and I think I'm sure if she keeps herself fit, and if I see on Strava she's still training, of course, quite a bit. I think she will be back on on, on, on the top step of the podium um, as soon as she can. But uh, she is, to come back then, yeah, go ahead.
0: She is certainly world-class. I have a personal memory of uh, actually helping to film the Hong Kong 100 running along uh, Mao Shan a, a well-known piece of the McLehose Trail here with uh, a gimbal in my hand trying to... Film her, but uh, she had already run 60 kilometers and I was just struggling to keep up. So, uh, yeah, I just saw a little snippet there, but yeah, she's absolutely world class.
4: Yeah, she is definitely.
0: Um,
4: and then, yeah, as you you were mentioning in 2019, there were other Hong Kong runners uh, very prominent in, in our championship series. Uh, John Ellis is one. Um, but just to make something also, um uh, well, not, maybe not to make it clear, but just I wanted to point out that they were not the first Hong Kong runners who were really doing well in our series. The first Hong Kong runner who actually made it made it, made a statement so to speak in Asia tremor was Isaac. Isaac Yuen Wan ho, probably not one of the very top runners in Hong Kong um, because he has problems with the steps, but as soon as he could run and he could actually you know run on, on proper natural trails. His performances were improving, and he found these kind of natural trays more often in Malaysia, in Vietnam, in Thailand than he did in, in Hong Kong. And Isaac Uemaho Ho was, I believe, third in the 2016 Asia Traymaster Championship. Uh, I just wanted to point this out because Isaac is also a very nice guy and uh, who was very open-minded also at the time uh, to travel to the rest of Asia uh, in some of these other countries, I'm mentioning Vietnam, for example. It was all still very rudimentary in those early years, 2015, 2016. The sport had just been born, so to speak, in in those countries. But then, yeah, in uh, 2019, the, the the more the better known Hong Kong runners like uh, Fredlin, like John Ellis, uh, and a couple of others, they started to come. They come down to um, to our series, and. Um, the first race that John did was also the previously mentioned Cordillera mountain ultra in the Philippines. And he only uh, finished fifth in that race. And as he later also um, said himself, that was a wake up call for him (laughs) because in his mind, he probably thought, okay, he's going to come to the ATM championship also with his new brand T eight at the time. And, uh, you know, win a couple of races But uh, as he admitted afterwards, uh, it was much tougher than he had expected, and that fifth place in in CMU was a wake-up call. And um, also in his next race, which was then the uh, Dalat Ultra Trail in Vietnam, he had to dig very, very deep to catch uh, Hisashi Kitamura in the last three or four kilometers, I believe it was, to take that victory. And... um, yeah, as, as such, uh, John Ellis uh, decided, okay, this championship is really tough, but also very exciting and very competitive, and this is what I need to get motivated. And then he started training like a beast, and um, I think he was never in a better shape as in 2019. And uh, in the end, at the end of the year, the, the championship came down to a battle between him, Kitamura, and also Milton Amat, the runner from Sabah who was extremely good in the high mountain events, uh, almost unbeatable in those, but who struggled a bit more in, in, in pure runnable trails. So, And John Ellis, he decided that he was going to do the last three races of the season in 2019. That was the Punisher in Davao, Philippines. Week after, Ultra Trail Panoramic, and that's the 100 miler you mentioned. And the week after was then the real ATM championship final mmtf in malaysia but john he didn't want to wait until that last race he wanted to secure the championship before and that's why he did all those races but again he went to the philippines and he got beaten there big time by kitamura who had a fantastic race won that race by more than an hour i think ahead of ellis 80 kilometers and in second place there was a local filipino guy even so john even didn't score any relevant points in that race so he had to go to thailand to do the 100 miles. He did that, and he won that. Milton Amat was second in that race. Kitamura, in that weekend went to Japan to do the Ito Trail, so there was no direct confrontation there. But John Ellis, by winning the 100 miles in Panoramic, he he scored so many, he scored enough points um, that Kitamura could no longer catch up in Japan or in MMTF, and that sealed the championship then. And then, yeah, that was it, uh, John. And I have, I'm very grateful for John also that despite these two tough races that he did, the Punish in the Philippines and Ultra Trail Panoramic in Thailand. He still went to MMTF in Malaysia to do the race. I'm very grateful to him for that because he didn't have to. He had already secured the championship, but uh, he went anyway and ran his heart out. He was no longer the freshest. I think he finished fifth or sixth in that race, but um, it was a fantastic end to an amazing season that we had in 2019. And uh, I hoped, well, John then said that in 2020 we should not expect him because his uh, his second baby, second or third baby, I'm not sure, just got born. Um, So he said in 2020 he will need to stay in Hong Kong a bit more. Um, But to be honest, I'm wondering now when 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 Hong Kong people can travel again easier, I think that John Ellis might be back again to actually compete for the championship too because he seemed to really have enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, there's quite a few uh, videos of John actually on Asia Trail Master website and YouTube. Um, I remember seeing one where he's running or interviewed at Dellat Ultra in Vietnam. Um, and the, the environment of the course there surprised me actually, because it, it looks like it's through pine forest almost, which is not what I'd normally expect of Southeast Asia. But a real diversity in terms of races. You mentioned Izu Trail as well, which is December in Japan, so pretty chilly, I imagine. Very cold. Deliberate to have uh, races in different climates during the year and different types of trails—some more runnable, some more technical.
4: Um, It's it's to be honest, it's a bit of a why it's probably not a coincidence because um, it's simply a fact that the terrain in Asia is very diverse. Uh, You have high mountains in some countries, in other countries you have flat jungle, for example, Malaysia, I mean, peninsula Malaysia. Uh, You have some desert in the more western parts of Asia. Um, You have hilly trails, sorry, Um, but not high altitude. There's a little bit of everything in in Asia and uh, we don't really look um, for specific terrain. So, what happens is, I mean, when, when an event applies to be part of the uh, Asia Train Master Series, uh, we make an assessment. And of course, what we, one of our requirements is that it has to be 70% on natural trails or more. But that's it. We do not expect there to be high mountains. We do not expect there to be um, runnable sections. I mean, Mantra Summit Challenge in Indonesia, for example, Many people call it a hiking event as well, because it's so technical, so steep, that those mountains, that you can hardly run in that race. Even the descents are hardly runnable. Um, But we don't really look for that, no. It's just how it is. Um, And as you said, also, Izzo Trail Journey takes place in December. It's very cold there. We have had snow there, actually, one of the years. Um, But then, yeah, you go to other races in Thailand, like UTKC, I if, I don't know about the weather forecast now, but I've been at UTKC before when the temperature went up to 40 degrees. Um, you know, it's a bit of everything in Asia, right? And um, I think one of the good things about ATM is also that we have this variety in, in, in the countries, in the terrain, in, in the weather conditions. There's something for everybody. And also to make sure, to, to be sure again, for, for those who like to compete in the championship. Um, you don't have to do all the races. You just need to do four races, yeah? minimum four races to have a realistic chance of, of getting a, a high ranking uh, in the championship because it's only your best four results that count.
0: Right. This year is a little bit different, I believe. you, uh, Because travel is still difficult for most people, uh, most races will be a local field, but then you're having a, a final at the end of the year? Yeah,
4: exactly. And that final is uh, has is in a new format. So there is a new concept um, for 2022. Um, As I was just saying, so in the past, like in 2019, the final was just uh, the last race of the season. And there was the possibility that the championship was already decided before then, which happened with John Ellis winning the week before in Thailand. Um, But this year is going to be different. Um, This is, of course, partially also because of the, the Corona pandemic still. But also because I think a winner-takes-all race probably is a little bit more exciting still. Um, also for media reasons. Yeah? If, if you know that the, the winner of, of one particular race is the new champion, I think that's very clear for everybody. Also for the non-trail fans, the non-trail experts. Um, so I want to try this out this year. So what happens is that runners now, they score points throughout the season in all the championship races that we have. And the best five, maximum five, men and uh, best five women, they will be qualified to join their country's team into this uh, championship final. So that means, for example, in the case of Hong Kong, it will be the best five runners, the best five men, the best five women throughout the season. They will be qualified and they will be invited to take part in the ATM championship in the middle of December. It will be on the 17th of December. Um, We have not yet announced yet where it will be. Uh, The negotiations are still ongoing and hopefully we can announce something before uh, before April or at least before 15th of April. But that's kind of the new idea. Uh, Winner takes all, but you need to be qualified to take part in it.
0: Sounds like a great thing for competitive runners to aim for uh, if they feel they're competitive enough to join a Hong Kong team in the future.
4: Exactly. And of course, there will also be now the opportunity to have a a team champion. So, for example, Team Hong Kong can compete against Team Vietnam, Team Indonesia, uh, Team Korea, Team Japan. So it's all possible. So we have an individual Asia 3 Master champion as before, but now we will also have a team champion, countries champion.
0: Excellent. Well, let's hope uh, things do go as well as possible when we can get a Hong Kong team this year. For, for people that are not that competitive, like myself, for example, you also have something called the Grand Master, which is if you join six ultras within a two-year period, I think you need to do six different ultras. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit about that.
4: Uh, that's correct. That's the uh, so-called Grandmaster Quest. Um, yeah, and it's exactly as you say. So the that's a kind of an individual challenge for each and everybody. Um, and and the objective is to finish six ultras of seventy kilometers or more or longer uh, within a period of two years. Uh, obviously, because of the COVID pandemic, everything froze. And we have also decided that the people who signed up for the Grandmaster Quest before and already did one or two races before the pandemic, they can keep that result still. Because, of course, it was nobody's fault that there were no races. Um, but that's indeed the uh, the Grandmaster Quest, and it's become very popular. It's a kind of, um, yeah, it's just a challenge for, for people to have a goal also, not just to do a race and then, okay, let's mount do another race. But you really have something to aim for as well. And um, if you complete your Grandmaster Quest, then you will be getting one virtual star in our Hall of Fame, which is online as well. And uh, that Hall of Fame is is growing year after year. Um, And I guess this year it will grow substantially because a lot of people are signing up actually for the Grandmaster Quest. I mean, we we can really tell that people have been waiting for races to start again, uh, just to see how many people are signing up for the Grandmaster Quest now.
0: So I think in a normal year, as Lantau Seventy and Nine Dragons in Hong Kong were part of Asia Trailmaster. So I could, for example, when things return to normal, do do those to do a race or two in Vietnam, a race or two in Korea, Japan, and uh, get my badge.
4: Correct. Yeah, that's that's hundred percent correct. Yeah.
0: Well, that's something to aim for after COVID when things uh, get back to normal. So bit of a dark situation in hong kong right now but uh, i look forward to following asia trailmaster this year the the broadcasting you're going to do sounds very exciting and then some goals to look forward to in terms of doing some races and getting that badge in my case anyway after covid so uh lots to look forward to anyway uh i wish you all the best for the year chris uh especially with eco trail in saudi arabia the week after next which you also race directing and for the rest of the season
4: thank you very much steve it's been a pleasure
0: so it'd be good to catch up with you again perhaps once the hong kong border opens and we can talk about more about what's going on and what hong kong runners can go and take part in
4: yeah well in any case lantau 70 is is on our calendar um that's normally at the very end of October. The Nine Dragons, of course, as we know, uh, has not taken place so far. And uh, yeah, there are also no new plans for it uh, at, at the time of speaking, right? So, um, but those are the two events currently yeah, on the ATM program and um, any other event organizing is of course, very welcome to to apply and contact me um, if you have any interest in, in joining our series.
0: Great. So for race organisers or just people in general, uh, they can find you on Instagram, Facebook, and you have a YouTube channel as well. Yeah,
4: that's correct. Yeah.
0: Excellent. Well, thanks again, Chris. And we wish you all the best for the season ahead. Uh, Thank you very much.
1: And here we are—an interview with Esther Chillag. Hopefully, I pronounced that right. Uh, amazing Esther, who's done uh, lots of amazing races at the moment. And joining us, we have the housewife's favourite, John Ellis. John, how are you doing?
5: <laughs> uh honestly, I'm a little bit depressed here in Hong Kong. It's um, yeah, it's obviously shocking to see the the daily COVID death numbers, and uh, and I guess the impending lockdown. So. Yeah it's, um, yeah, it's hard to take. So I think we're, we're all a little bit um, jealous of Esther having escaped prison and um, running trail races. I almost forget what that's like over in Europe.
1: Yes, Esther. So uh, explain to us, how are things over there in Europe? Uh, I've had a taste of it, uh, but you're over there enjoying it at the moment. Uh, how are things over there?
6: Well, um, yeah, we, we left Hong Kong exactly on the day when when the government announced the new restrictions, so I felt that the timing was 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 really good. But by the time we landed in Gran Canaria, um, the war started. So COVID-wise, I have to say that Europe is um, is okay. Like people are using masks mainly in indoor facilities, like when you go into a shop or things like that. But otherwise, everything is going on, and I've I'll, 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 outside people are not wearing masks anymore and and yes life seems to be back to normal or um, in a way but um, now I am in Hungary and yeah we have the Ukrainian war at the border and so there are there are a lot of things going on here in Hungary you know a lot of uh, people are arriving a lot mainly mothers with children so also my family have a family of nine people and we are trying to help as much as we can so there are a lot of like collecting things that we can send over to Ukraine to those who are like uh, remain there uh, uh, which is different from from the other things you collect which are sent to the border where mainly the women are arriving um so yeah i'm i'm going to the border tomorrow actually in the late evening with my father Mm. and yeah we will be there till midnight and help people when uh when they cross the border um not all of them remain in hungary some of them certainly or many of them continue towards the west but um anyway um and the other thing, which is above our head, is what is going to happen. You know, um, it's just terribly bad the situation, but we we also hope that it's not going to be even worse. Yeah. So. Yeah, so
2: yeah.
6: I'm, I'm glad you. Uh, it's a crazy moment, uh, a bit everywhere. Uh, like I, I yeah, totally crazy. resonate with John, and I feel, I'm, I'm, yeah. Uh, that Hong Kong is really like tough at the moment, but it seems that yeah, there um,
5: after covid <laughs> now, this war, is- yeah, and we see all the stuff happening on on TV, and it just it's shocking that you know we have a major land war in Europe in 2022. It's um yeah we're all hoping for a peaceful outcome, and I think you know on behalf of everyone, I mean thank you for all the help you know to the refugees and anyone who's who's doing that because they need all the help they can get.
6: Yeah, I mean, in that sense, T8 um, gave, gave a big donation, so that's, that was also absolutely amazing because it happened within a few days after the, the war started.
1: Listeners can uh, donate or help because, you know, we're kind of isolated over here in Hong Kong, And uh, basically on the news on Hong Kong, if you listen to the local channels, it's all COVID-focused. But when you switch on like CNN or BBC, it's Ukraine, 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 nothing but Ukraine. But what we're seeing every day is absolutely heartbreaking. You know, that that, I don't know if you saw that one image of the uh, little child dragging his toys, no parents, just walking through like a bombed out street... Uh, mm. With no idea where to go, and he was just crying his eyes out, and it's just heart wrenching to see. You know, this is happening in in Europe. This is twenty twenty two, and you know, this could happen to anyone. You just don't know which way. I'm not. I'm not going to say it's the Russians. Uh, I'll mainly pull it down to blaming one person, who's and everyone's just afraid of him. Uh, so because I know that like, most Russian people are very decent people, but. It's just what's going to happen next. What's, you know, what's going mm. to do? But it would be great if uh, if you've got a website or a link or any way that uh, us people in Hong Kong can help in any way possible. I mean, what would be a good thing? Would, would it be a monetary donation or some other kind of donation? What sort of help would be appreciated over there?
6: Um, well, I hear most of the people like... um. You know, I, I think there are multiple ways to help. Um, like the first, what most people did was uh, like um, uh, donating money. Um, now in in Europe, most of the countries, like they are doing, they are collecting things that that people need or those who remained in Ukraine or do, those who are fleeing from Ukraine. So, But I think that's a bit more difficult from Hong Kong to send any, like, physical things. What we do is, like, anyone who has, like, extra space, they are receiving families or family members um, at the moment for shorter or long term. Um, So there are a lot of, like, associations who are organizing um, these kind of things. so probably the the thing that people can do in Hong Kong, uh, I believe, is to to, to send money, um, which is for sure extremely helpful um, for 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 them, and it's it's very much needed.
1: Yeah. Yeah, great. I mean, I've heard that I I actually did something very simple, which was I went on to Airbnb uh a couple of days ago and i booked a room for one night i'm not i'm not gonna go yeah. but it's an individual who's got a room and i've just booked it for the night paid for it not gonna go uh but basically it's kind of a way of donating uh there a sort of indirect way yeah. uh I've, I've heard on the socials there are other ways of donating is quite uh novel but yeah we'll try and put some uh for this podcast we'll put some links or something in the uh podcast uh uh, page, so people can uh, uh, look up. But yeah, it is one of those uh, conversations that uh, is pretty sad at the moment. Uh, John, what do you think?
5: Yeah, look, I think yeah we're all just horrified and shocked, and I think yeah we we yeah just just to see the amount of suffering, you know, the amount of deaths already, civilian deaths, um, sort of being targeted. And, yeah, families being broken up, you know, there'll be so many more deaths ahead. You know, I think, like everyone, we're just all hoping that this can get resolved um, sort of peacefully at some stage. Um, Yeah, and as you said, it probably depends on sort of, you know, one madman more than anything else and who is very hard to predict. But anyway, yeah, it's just a really shockingly sad situation all around.
1: So from there, let's... Let's go talk about running then, as we are a, a trail running podcast. In the end, so
5: yep, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're still running.
1: <laughs> yes, you're still running. I see. You've just completed the uh, Trans Gran Canaria, uh, which is interesting. Uh, uh, you came. No, you did pretty well. You came in the top four.
5: The amazingly you? well.
6: <laughs> yeah. I I arrived flips. Yeah. Um, mm. I think thirty third overall. <laughs> wow!
5: Amazing. Yeah.
1: Um, and I think, um,
5: and you were, you were only I think uh, an hour and a bit behind the women's winner, Ragnar Debats, which you know, she's obviously world class. So I mean, it, it tells you it was a it was a great performance. Um, yeah. I mean, what did you think of the race?
6: Yeah. Um, yeah. So I came one hour 15 minutes after her, and. I think like second arrived like twenty three or twenty something minutes after Rania, and then again like um, um fifteen minutes later the third, and then ten minutes before me the fourth, and then me. Um, so it was kind of uh, well the race is um was a big experience. Um. It's 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 a it's a really um, it's a it's a race which has a bit of everything. Like you start from one side of the island and you finish on the other, and you think that in one island you can find only one one kind of nature or one kind of climate, but actually you have a, everything. Um, and I felt very good at the beginning. Um, and also I think I was uh well prepared. Um so I was really happy to be at the start line and and, and and to do this race. I was I was really looking forward to it. I knew it it's a hard race, so I didn't I don't think I had illusion in that sense. Um, and um uh when we started it uh, was all all really good. And then um, I think when when we were going into the night, the the weather that they forecast arrived. So we had pretty bad weather, which meant uh, like three four degrees, he- heavy Ooh. rain and strong winds, and really strong Ooh. winds. And we went up till one thousand eight hundred meters. And when you are re- there in the in the mountains, this like combination of 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 zero uh, or one digit um, temperature and rain and wind that we that was like uh, really s- strong, but I handled that well. The only thing that I couldn't eat f- during that period, so that was like almost forty kilometers when I had issues with my with my stomach and that affected my performance. I was telling to my uh, legs to go but they were not going and then after and 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 i had an amazing crew uh, my coach Ida nilsson and my brother they were they were at the checkpoints and um, there was a checkpoint almost every 10 kilometer uh and uh, but there were three where they couldn't come so the, um and they were asking, like, what can we give you to eat? Like, you need to eat. You have to eat something. But anyway, at the end, by the time I arrived to El Garagnon, which was 80 kilometers, like, um, I I started to have people around me. And I, yeah, yeah I, I just said, I, I really need to eat. So f- I finally, I found a waffle in my pack. And then I said, okay, I eat this one. And I grabbed the... Um, uh from the spring this um, oatmeal with fruit and then um yeah and then when i was running i was able to to eat both of them and then um that was that was really good uh weather continued to be really bad like uh, when we arrived to Rock and Hublot, which is the 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 uh most beautiful and and um uh, part or uh, the of the race when you arrive really up up and you have this 60 meter big stone uh, but honestly oh, yeah. I didn't realize I was there <laughs> just when I <laughs> ran down and I was in the parking place and I okay so we passed rock and block good and then I continued um, and there was the most exposed area I think which then they had to also like the tour uh, later in the race in the afternoon because um, it became dangerous and anyway that was still cold and it was extremely interesting how we start to descend and like we went down maybe 50 meter and then you you reached that hot zone which which you know which is is, uh, something you know when you think about Gran Canaria. So it was really interesting to see the weather, how it changed from from one second to another. But I think for about like during the night till late morning, there was this really bad weather. And then when I started the descent, the descent is really technical. But luckily, because I didn't run too fast, (laughs) my legs were actually doing pretty well. So I saw the lady before me, she was going down with her paws and I, I saw she needed her paws to go down. And I said, okay, now I just leave her behind. And I didn't take off my rain jacket and nothing. So it was really hot for 10 kilometers because I was running as still I had bad weather, but um, I wanted to have some uh, like advantage uh, uh, from her. So, and then I ran down. And what helped is that there was this, um, there were different distances which started in the morning and you had, uh, the fast, fast people, uh, passing you. So sometimes I stick to those guys and I could run, you know, uh, or follow them a bit. Um, and then when I arrived to the last, uh, uh, t- terror t- last checkpoint where i could meet my uh, crew which was 100 kilometer. Um, i was doing well i did a quick change into uh, the summer clothes and then um i had 25 km left um and yeah i just um picked up the remaining waffle i f- i had and um started to run And, yeah, that was, um, that was, um, okay, that was, finally I could, I was able to run, yeah.
5: Yeah, I mean, it looked like you had a good race, Um, you know, we sort of were watching you on live trail, um, and, you know, I think you went through the first checkpoint at 45th, and then throughout the checkpoints, you know, you would get one or two places, you know, every time, and I think you finished 33rd, so, yeah. anyway, from looking from afar, it looked like. You had a great race. Um, is it is it a race? You know, it's it's one of the. I think you did the classic distance, 126 k's, I think, 7,000 meters, and you know, it sounds fascinating that you have all these different ecosystems that you go through. There's night, there's day, um, and some some amazing scenery. Is it is it a race you'd recommend to to people say in Hong Kong if they're looking at European races and trying to pick one? Is this you know potentially one of the best ones in Europe? Do you think?
6: For sure, it like I recommend. It's really beautiful and and it is really well organized. Um, like even though it was chilly cold, just to say that when you had to pass uh, the the road, there was always one person who I think was totally frozen because was there for a whole night without doing any movement. But they made sure that if there is any car, they will stop the 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 um, the traffic and um and the checkpoints were like had a great atmosphere also the start line is is really like uh, touching how they like organize the, the 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 start line and the the scenery the nature is really beautiful so it's not easy to get there for me it took about uh, 30 hours but um but it's it's uh, it's a race i absolutely recommend like it's it's really well organized it's not easy but it gives you back why it's not easy
5: mm-hmm. yep yeah yeah i did the
1: uh k42 unaga in tenerife in uh, december and uh, i it's just the island next island from gran canaria tenerife yes. and the yes. uh as you're saying, I totally understand the ecosystem because you go from like a dry, deserty type area to almost like a jungle in the north because of the way the rains drop. But just the, the volcanic scenery and how it just makes all the the landscape so you know not un- well unnatural. You could exotic. say the way it is. Yeah. It's just absolutely fascinating. So uh, you know those sort of races that are on the Canary Islands. You got Transvolcania as well, which was cancelled this year because of the volcano but I think they're rescheduled for this year that's another one that's really good to, to keep an eye on but generally it's really surprising the trails and the Canary Islands are just absolutely very well maintained but fascinating and uh, really scenic yeah. and uh, the organisation of the races, the way the local community rally around and cheer you on at the start and then when you come to the finish is you know, I was quite far back in the pecking order uh, of my race but there's lots of finishers they're all at the pubs and other general people and they're all cheering you on in the last kilometer when you run into the town and into the main square so yeah i totally agree the uh the, how they uh, organize the races they take it very seriously and it's very professional and it's just a fantastic atmosphere so you know on those islands highly recommend uh, any races that are over there just for Hong Kong people, it's a long flight to get there if they can fly out. That is, if they can find a plane ticket at the moment. Yeah. So I heard also that you came fourth at CCC.
6: Um. So there, that that was a great race. Um. I didn't have crew. Um. So, um. And um. You know, I gave birth to my second daughter in mid-April.
5: Mm. So. Oh wow.
6: Um, when when the race happened, I, I it, it was after four and a half months postpartum.
5: Um, so is that is that what you're saying is maybe a good race strategy? <laughs>
6: <laughs> um, well, is, I have to say after, I... after you
5: after you've given birth, you know the the, the pain of a trail race probably is nothing. You know, <laughs> you get a little bit tired, you get a bit sore later on. This is nothing compared to childbirth. <laughs>
6: Yes, uh, fully agree. Uh, But, uh, yeah, um, from the practical side, yeah, that was the moment when I changed also um, my coach. So since um, Noemi's birth, I have Ida, and I think that uh, for me, uh, like, was really good. Like, it was a good change. And um, so I I started to...
5: Oh, sorry, for those that don't know, um, yeah, can you tell us a little bit? It's Ida Ida Nilsson from Sweden, right? Sort of one of the, yes. the world's top female trail runners.
6: Yes. So she's, um, she's from Sweden, and she's, like, uh, one of the best runners. Um, she started on track, and then through an injury, she ended up on trail uh, where she won um, – major races and yeah and not long time ago she started to coach as well um yeah and and,
5: and um because you've improved so much i think since taking eda as a coach what what are there any secrets or anything that you're doing differently that you can share with people um because i think you know everyone's been just so impressed that you know you've gone to a this world-class level is is what what's what's the secret there <laughs> Um, or maybe there's I no th- secret maybe it's just you know very focused work and and putting in you know the work
6: yeah i, I believe there is a lot of a lot of work from my perspective like compared i had a coach before so i think uh from my perspective what makes a huge difference is that there is a lot of like um i mean the elevation that i gained uh, on a weekly basis is much more focused. Um, and, um, and the, the workout that I am doing is much more diverse. Like there is a bit of, uh, everything. So it's not only running, but there is strengthening and there are other cardios as well. So it's a more complex, um, approach, which makes probably my body uh, stronger when I am on the trails. Um, Yeah, I, like at CCC, I was, I was really feeling well, uh, although I was four and a half months after postpartum. And I believe that was because uh, she gave me enough strengthening uh, during those three months of preparation, that actually um yeah those muscles had the things together um yeah and now that noemi is almost one year old i think things are just um i mean i hope um will improve or you know it's not only about being after postpartum but just being normal and 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 focusing on the strengths and other things and the others. Maybe, which is um, uh, that I try to be extremely honest with Ida. So, anything I have, (laughs) maybe too many times, but I will tell her. Mm -hmm. And um, even for CCC, I think uh, the last two weeks we were like talking every day, not necessarily, not on phone, but you know, uh, even via messages. Uh, or for this race in Trans Canaria, she it was really amazing. She was coming because there was the uh, Trans Gran Canaria's part of the Spartan World Championship, and she arrived second last year. So there was the prize ceremony of last year championship, and this is how she came to Gran Canaria this year. And she was there, and you know we. We went through everything before the race and then she was screwing me during the race and then we met the day after the race and we went through again everything. Um, so it feels good that he also like um, everything is talked out or, you know, uh, no thoughts remain within me or questions.
5: Okay. Yeah, very nice. It's well, it's certainly working. <laughs>
6: So how did yeah. you start getting into running?
1: Because uh, uh, from ITRA, I can only find, uh, was it 2017? Uh, your first race on ITRA. So wh- when did you start running?
6: Oh, that's my first race. Okay. Uh, I started to race, to to run uh, on the trails in Hong Kong. We moved to Hong Kong in 2015. And later in the year, my friend, took me on the trails it was the twins we did first time and i enjoyed it so much uh, i don't play video games but i felt like super mario you know when you jump and you have to avoid things and i said this is so cool and um yeah and we just started to run together uh, basically um every day and then slowly yeah slowly um I'm a very slow person, I think, in that sense that, you know, what trail running means or if you can do or you do races or what kind of races or there are are points. So I am very slow in understanding the whole system or uh, ecosystem of of things. And the same happened with with trail running. So, yeah, um, we did a race... um, in 2016 in, in, uh, in the Dolomites, which was kind of crazy because that was, I think, 130 kilometers. That was my first race, and certainly we didn't finish. Sorry, but we did
5: that, that was your first race. Wow.
6: Yeah, <laughs>
5: That's a big one to bite off.
6: <laughs> yeah, <nothing> exactly. <laughs> I think they don't do that race anymore. Uh, but, yeah, I would have loved to finish it one day. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that is how then it seems that in 2017 was the first race which uh, got, which m- meant some points.
5: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at this list here. So, uh, you came first in uh, the most beautiful thing in Malaysia, uh, eighth overall. Uh, the Rally Challenge, you came first overall in uh, 2018. Uh, the Translanto you came fourth, fourth lady, the Translanto 100. The, the Beast Trail, uh, 50K in Taiwan, you came first. Uh, the Salaman Ultra 9 in Hungary, you came second. The Grand Trail, I can't, it's Italian, Come here? Uh, in Italy, <laughs> you came fourth. Transjeju, you came second. The Hong Kong 100, you came sixth. Uh, and 40th overall. Uh, I mean, that's just an amazing CV you've got there, <laughs> you know. So, going on from here, uh, have you got any other plans, any other races on your scope at the moment?
6: Uh, yes, <laughs> <laughs> a lot, especially now that we stay in Europe. Um, mm. I, um, I'm I'm already thinking about, um, April and May, but for sure I have, uh, the Marathon de Mont Blanc, the 90 kilometer in late June. And, Mm. um, I will do the, um, 50 kilometer distance at, um, Eiger that's mid July. That's by UTMB. Um, and, um, and end of August, I will do the UTMB. Okay. Good uh, cool one. Good. And then I hope to recover. But then there is early November is the world championship. And while in Hungary, things are not really clear in regard of trail running, but I, mm. yeah, I, I should represent my country there um at the 80 kilometer distance so i think this year is pretty much done
3: Mm.
1: wow wow Uh, what is your preferred distance
6: i don't know i'm doing utmb because now i (laughs) want to see how i feel on 170 kilometer before Ida, for sure i was not interested to go beyond 100 kilometer i think 50 kilometer comes easy on hundred kilometer, I worked a lot, like for years, to to put things together. There is still a lot to improve. I have to say, hundred twenty six now was for me the fir- like the longest distance, and I felt re- okay at the end. Like uh, the distance and elevation didn't, it was fine. Uh, my legs were fine. The last last twenty five kilometer, I was able to run. Um, and I'm curious how I feel at 170 kilometer. Yeah. I think what um, makes maybe difference is how uh, fast you recover or you can go back to your normal training. So it's more like all the changes that goes into your daily routine um, that that. That that changes from distance to distance. Like after fifty kilometer or sixty kilometer, basically you you have just one two days or one easy week, but you can already run. But like now with Trans Canaria, I basically have this week, which is close to none.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I guess that's it's interesting when when you talk about doing. 50 kilometre races and, you know, being able to recover quickly because I I think there was the the Hong Kong 100 half recently where I guess you you did the race a few times, (laughs) sort of back to back to back. Um, Do you want to talk us through that story? And and congratulations, because in the end, I think you you finished the third time in 529, which was an amazing, amazing result. But um, yeah, talk us through, yeah, your 50k recoveries there.
6: (laughs) Yeah, the there it was. Um, I, um, so I had some issues with the with the course. So that's why I did it a few times, and um, I I um, uh, I I didn't know if I want to do it again or how or yeah. Uh, there were so many emotions and 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 things. Happening uh, after it turned out that um, I I did a misturn, uh, and then Ida said, you know, you just wait a bit, let let you wait that emotions calm down, and then we see how you feel, um, and um, and I was feeling well. Um, I think my body like. Um, was um was okay by the next day and then within two days like um i i was ready also to to be to let it go which was a feeling that okay now i can do it just because i want to do the course properly and so that was the week after because that was the also the the last day of the of the race and um and it turned out to be a good day um and yeah, um, I think what I can see, there were a few like uh, uh, 50, over 50 kilometer distances I did in January, uh, that some of them I did where during the week I had much more workout, like almost normal, just the last two days was maybe more um, like um, kind of... Um, a little taper exactly and and i performed well but but it affected my performance that the during the 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 beginning of the week was just normal mm. uh while for example with the uh, 529 uh, the whole week also because i just ran the 50 kilometer the weekend before but the whole week was just prepared based on 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 that goal so yeah
5: Okay, gotcha. Well, I mean, congratulations because, yeah, like you know, the first time when your watch didn't work, the second time the wrong turn, and to still go back, and to have the motivation to to pull out the five twenty nine is, yeah, it's it's super inspiring.
6: <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That that was that was really good. I I was really happy about it. I I hoped uh, five thirty, 530, so five twenty one. 29 was uh, also like a, a, a positive surprise by the end.
5: Nice.
1: <laughs> what was your time, John? Did you do the half?
5: No, but I'm pretty sure it would have been slower than 5.29. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I no here, way. No, no, I reckon it would have been. So, yeah, that was a crazy time. <laughs> Yeah, uh,
1: one thing, uh, I've heard that you've written blogs about running while pregnant. Uh, just wanted to ask, what is your message to women who are thinking of getting pregnant but still want to carry on running or running whilst pregnant? What, what sort of message do you have for them or
6: any advice? Um, I was lucky. I have two two girls and I had... Um, I had a pregnancy without any complications, so I could carry on running during during those months. So certainly every pregnancy is different. If anyone has some complication, shouldn't do what I did. Uh, But I believe that there are so many uh, traditions that we are keeping in our system, which are not necessarily good when it comes to pregnancy. And so I was trying to see what my body can do uh, while pregnant, and you know I had support from my husband. Like she, uh, he asked me time to time, like, "Are you, um, are you feeling okay to go out? But if just be careful. But otherwise, he supported uh, that I was running, and. I do believe that your baby feels if you are happy or not. Running makes me happy, I was fine. So I think it, it's, it was important that, that I just um, continued running. And also when your body is going through so many changes like hormonal and also the ba- you are carrying a baby, it's extremely important that you continue working out because if not you really become like easy to become stubborn and 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 um and that the baby will will feel for sure so I don't know any uh culture where uh women are requested to run or to do workouts. So most of the tradition is that you better stop doing anything you did before. Um, So there are very little research done on that. Um, And when I was uh, pregnant and I was looking really for advices or information, it's not easy to find, I have to say. There is very little research. So I think in the last... um, article I uh, we also listed out uh um, those resources that i found so far um and so i think in those blogs i i wrote how i dealt de- deal with the pregnancy nope. on a daily basis basis like you know like pre- sometimes it's just practical matters uh but it can help to anyone who is pregnant and just To face the everyday situation that, or things that you um, have to deal with. Cool. And I think
5: you've also spoken about in your blog, I guess how how pregnancy can be a little bit like running a, I guess ultra an ultra trail race.
6: Yes. Yeah. Can you talk us through that? Yeah. Um. Well, and and an ultra race have. uh, a bit of everything like after trans grand canaria when i was telling to my husband angrily that i couldn't eat from for about 40 kilometers and that i was telling him if if i could have eaten and he said you know there is no race when there is not there is not something coming up as a surprise uh but you go through so many things during those uh x hours that you are running an ultra, and the same for pregnancy. It's uh, for me. It remained really a discipline. Like I don't say that it was always a nice running. Many times, especially when the baby is becoming like you are becoming heavier, it's not necessary always a um, a joy. But it 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 feels good, and and you can still manage it. Um, and um, so. I think psychologically and emotionally or and also how do you approach uh, and adapt to certain situation. Uh, there are many similarities between like running an ultra and being pregnant. Um, and yeah. And then at a certain point you finish. So <laughs>
5: <laughs> The finish line is always it's, a nice, it's, a nice it's, feeling. It's not
6: forever. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
5: And you always know that you did it.
6: (laughs) Esther, when is
1: your plan to come back? Back to Hong Kong?
6: Um, So now I am taking my um, elder daughter to a kindergarten here. And Mm. I can work uh, here. Um, I believe that we see how things are going in Hong Kong. Uh, because her school now is closed, like she she has the summer holiday right in Hong um, in Hong Kong.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah.
6: Um, so, if things are not changing much by May, we won't do the quarantine uh, just for two weeks. Because from June, I wanted we plan to stay in Europe anyway. Um, so I believe, to be very honest, I will be back. Um, around september things like that
1: mm, yeah it's pretty hard to make yeah. any plans or anything <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh as i learned myself yeah. you know trying to get back here is the hardest thing even with the you know you've got to do quarantine but it's just getting the flight back. You know, there's hardly any flights coming here. So uh, we understand how difficult. Also, you got your other situation with uh, Ukraine next door as well. So how that develops, you know, it's very hard to make any predictions. Uh, but yes, yeah. on all that, it's been absolutely fantastic uh, talking to you, uh, talking about all your adventures and your races and obviously your concerns about what's happening at this present moment in time. Uh, have you got any more questions, John?
5: I think I'm all out. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been a wonderful, um, to, to chat with you Esther. Congratulations again for, yeah, an amazing performance at Trans Grand Canaria for you
3: know,
5: letting us in on a few secrets and, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to following, you know, hopefully some, some really good re- race results coming up, um, over the rest of the year.
6: Mm. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Oh, one thank
5: more you thing. So
6: much for having
5: me.
1: What's your favorite piece of running kit? What's your go to every time piece of running kit that you have?
6: Sorry? Your I don't go understand.
1: Your, your, your running gear. Which part, which running gear? Like, uh, is it shoes or a bag? It's something that you always have that you're most comfortable with. It's like your most essential <laughs> item.
6: The Sherpa shorts.
1: <laughs> what oh, good answer. <laughs> 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 uh, well, there, there is some. There was some new ones, but they sold out very quickly. The uh, stand with Ukraine shorts. I missed out on them, but uh, they they looked really cool. Uh, those ones. Uh, but uh, hopefully, they'll be back on the market soon.
6: Uh yeah, yeah. Uh, I mm. think I will have one. Uh, but for for the race for Canaria, I had my mother, and she drew the same hashtag on my. Sherpa shorts so I was running I saw with them. you had
5: your own custom version which was yeah. which was great to yeah. see you know. yep. Did, did yeah. you
1: see awesome. many Sherpa shorts in the race? Because I saw a few in Tenerife uh, running around, uh, saw about half a dozen people wearing uh, Sherpa shorts uh, I just wondered if you saw any uh, in Gran Canaria as well
6: I did. I did. And actually, I saw, you know, when you pick up the bib number, there are some shops selling things. And there were uh, Sherpa shorts uh, available. So I sent that to David. I I took a photo. (laughs) And during the race, there were, I think, a few people. I saw a red one, a green one. Uh, I had a guy who was running in front of me um, for about, I think, 50 kilometers. And he had a red long one.
5: Uh, yeah, nice,
3: but yeah,
6: so there there are, there are, they are out,
5: yeah, all the way in Spain, <laughs>
6: yes, <they're> everywhere.
5: Awesome, <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, Esther, it's been great talking to you, and uh, Thank you. yes, congratulations as well. And look forward, uh, to catching up, and also, please do let us know, uh, how things develop over there. As you said, you're going to the border <laughs> tomorrow so uh always
0: hey hey hello <laughs> uh,
6: yes um i'll let you know um if um yeah maybe another thoughts as you said anything that you buy from ukraine although the shipment now is not necessarily happening but no. uh, just supporting ukrainian brands uh can can be helpful but if there is any any um um anything i will send it to you yeah
1: okay that'll be great we we'll, really? we'll catch up on another podcast uh later on okay so uh yeah that'll thank be... you so much for
3: having me yes.
1: and it's been great it's been an absolute pleasure